Welcome to the Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast. And our title today is Five Keys to Building a Healthy Team. Actually, I did a, um, a webinar on this uh, recently, and we had such a massive response of 650 plus people that we felt it was worth doing in a podcast. So uh, again, our topic is Five Keys to a Building a Healthy Team. So let's go right into it, all right? Uh, and again, I've been doing this for, uh, well, I guess, 30 plus years. And so I've got a good, good list of failures uh, and a few successes under my belt. I do feel like it took me many years to actually become confident, secure, and uh, a good nuancing on what makes a great team or healthy team and, and what doesn't. So I've distilled it here to five uh, simple principles, and uh, but each, of course, can be expanded uh quite a bit, but let's take them one by one. Uh, the first is a healthy you. Uh, the first key to building a healthy team is a healthy you. And I say that because uh, over and above everything, uh, tactic, ideas, strategy of building a healthy team is your person. In other words, you transmit who you are uh, in everything on that team as the leader. And so that's why it is absolutely far and above and more important than anything else that you're doing your work on yourself. I'm talking about um, your shadow. I'm talking about your level of self-awareness. I'm talking about doing things like a 360 to get input from the people around you. Uh, I'm talking about whatever you need to grow in greater self-awareness of yourself. Because you see, if you're a team leader, you're unresolved flaws and shadow are very apparent on that team. Now, people won't say anything to you unless you invite them. Uh, And if you invite them, rarely will they give you a full uh, uh, rendering of themselves. That's why 360s are so powerful. Um, But, uh, you know, in the Emotionally Healthy Leader book, the controlling illustration is a skyscraper where uh, I give four... Uh, steel beams or pilings of a skyscraper that have to go deep into the ground, that the deeper they go in the ground, the higher up you can build that skyscraper. And the same way, uh, there are certain things in your life that have got to get deep in your life if you're going to build a healthy team. Uh, And first and foremost of that is facing your shadow, of really knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and what you bring to the table. I just said to to Ruth, I, I just ran a meeting. Her and I prepared for it in advance. There was an agenda. I actually wrote the agenda. But then once the meeting started, I didn't follow the agenda. And she points out to me at the end of the meeting that you didn't do the most important thing at the meeting. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. And I reminded her of, I said, I, I, did, I didn't articulate it. I said, I have a flaw. And the flaw is that uh, my mind goes in 12 directions at once. Uh, I, I can create an agenda uh, the day before with great clarity. and But then when I actually get to it, because I've got so many things in my mind to actually going into that meeting, uh, and I, I was reviewing other documents related to the meeting. Make a long story short, I didn't do the agenda. And I said, Ruth, I just need help uh, in something like that. And so actually, she'll lead the next meeting uh, on my behalf. But it, it's, it's recognizing I have a little bit of ADHD, and that ADHD makes it challenging for me to follow a systematic routine. Uh, and so again, recognizing and being aware and being able to acknowledge it versus there's an 
you know, there's an elephant in the room and she's got to dance around it, but I can't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm unaware of it. It affects the team. Okay, so a healthy you is number one. So make sure you're doing your work. I'm talking about whether it's therapy, uh, spiritual direction, mentors, whatever you need to be growing in Jesus, your team needs you to do that. All right, number two is a clear vision. A clear vision for your team. Stepping back and saying, what has God called this team to do? Uh, what is the task? So again, it may be a children's ministry team to execute, you know, discipleship and evangelism for children. It may be worship team. Uh, it may be administration. It may be within your ministry or organization or business, a particular team. But what is this team called to do? And then do I have the right people on this team? Sometimes people are joining teams and organizations or ministries and churches that are they shouldn't even be in the room. And so maybe it's a pastoral staff meeting talking about pastoring and discipleship, and there's an administrative person in there because they like administration. They like pastor. I know, but you're not a, you're not a pastor here. And again, bringing in a person in the room that shouldn't be in the room, it just muddles, uh, muddles the, uh, the atmosphere. So, um, and then thirdly, what kind of relationships is God, does God want us to have on this team? What kind of relationships do I want to have on this team? What kind of relationships do we need to have on this team to accomplish what God's asked us to do? And it's going to differ. Uh, not every, you know, again, how long is this team going to meet? Is it, is it for a short period of time? Uh, but you've got to determine as a team leader, what do you, what's God asked you to do? Who's in the room? But also, what, what, what do you want? And what do you feel like the team needs? Now, there are some places that it's simply just, it's a business. Hey, get your job done. Uh, we get together, we give a report, and we just move forward. Uh, and, you know, it's not my preference. Uh, I do like relationships. It's very important to me. But I want us to get the task done. So I want both. Uh, I want people to be effective uh, in accomplishing our mission. At the same time, I am highly relational and want a relational component to teams that I lead. Um, and, and so right now, for example, I've led a large team uh, at New Life at one time. I think we had about 25 people when I was lead pastor on the team. And I had a senior executive team that I had an elder board and I was a part of that, that team. Uh, and then it was a larger team of all the staff. But I had a different level of relationship with my executive team uh, in terms of dinners over our house. Uh, but I, I wanted more than a Christmas party. Uh, and so, again, it's, it's the nature of how, how you've got to determine what do you want and what do you need. And uh, uh, like right now, our team is very small. Ruth, uh, Ruth, Jerry, and I are the team. It's really Ruth and I primarily. And we've got a number of contract employees. Uh, so our relationships are really important to us uh, with everybody we're working with, and especially for Ruth, Jerry, and I. Uh, and we're not going to add to this team anybody that we don't really enjoy. But we have a very small team. We want to keep it small, highly relational, but highly focused on this kind of our fast. EHS is fast moving, uh, but we've got a clear vision of what we're about. Okay, number three, time and thoughtfulness. So again, number one is a healthy you. Number two is a clear vision. Number three is time and thoughtfulness. Uh, I'm, I'm referring to, you know, time and thoughtfulness. Now, now the principle here of emotional spirituality, of emotional leadership that says personal development and work performance are inseparable. Uh, I believe that very much. So, so I am concerned. I want to put time and thoughtfulness. And first of all, what does this each team member need to grow in their role? I'm talking about 
on a work performance professional level. Again, let's say it's, I got Lewis here. He's doing the sound. He's in charge of video at our church. Uh, now again, he's not my team, but I, I'd be thinking about what does he need over the next one, three, five, ten years to develop as an excellent videographer in his field. Uh, at the same time, where is he personally, and what does he need in his personal development, and that track as well. And so that takes time and thoughtfulness. That's why you can't have thirty people on your team. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know what the ideal number is, but uh, I can't imagine having more than six to eight. Uh, because it does take time and thoughtfulness. You know, how's their rule of life? I want to know about their walk with Jesus. And again, I was joking with Ruth yesterday. Ruth is the executive director of EHS. She's not a pastor, so I'm concerned about her walk with Jesus, but not the same level I would if she was a pastor on staff at New Life Fellowship. How's their marriage and singleness? You know, how's your marriage relationship? You lead out of your marriage. Uh, I want to make sure that's healthy. Uh, what resourcing do they need? Let, let's talk about how do we measure success? That takes a lot of time and thought. And I think as a team leader, that's one of your primary jobs. Uh, and I'm not talking about just measuring uh, numbers, uh, which I'm not against measuring numbers, attendance and uh, money, uh, number of people connected in small groups or serving. That's all fine. But I'm talking about a more thoughtful measurement of the quality of what we're doing, quality of our relationships, the quality of safety uh, we have in the room. I I had a good friend who was a, uh, you know, PhD, uh, actually in therapist, uh, and he had a large team, like 120 people. And he he would talk about every uh, six to eight weeks, he would ask the question, what's the level of safety that we're experiencing in the room? Uh, and the ability to have even have that kind of an open, safe conversation. And very much concerned about not just the content of a meeting, but the actual process of a meeting, element of safety and approachability. And uh, so you're able to have discussions about how are we going to measure success, for example. So again, back to Tom, still on time and thoughtfulness. I'm aware of people's genograms and my team, their family of origin, their triggers, where they personalize things and take things personally and are, 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 we'll call them touchy. We all have our triggers. And uh, it's important to understand what they are so that we don't get surprised or tripped up by them. And we also know our own. And so, for example, uh, you know, I think one of our staff who tends not to be vulnerable, I mean, he's aware of it, uh, and he's supervised by somebody else on staff. And so he he's asked every week as part of his report, besides his job, et cetera, he says, where have you been? He's asked by his supervisor, where have you been vulnerable this past week? or shown weakness, because that's not something he would normally do. Another staff who doesn't do sadness, his family didn't do feelings, he's asked regularly by his supervisor, um, how did you enter the world of somebody else's sadness this week? How did you even talk about any kind of sadness or weakness uh, or feelings this past week? Because learning to feel is very hard for him. He's a big upfront uh, person. That's why uh, within time and thoughtfulness, we are so committed to teaching emotionally healthy relationship skills uh, because those skills are what inform how we relate as a team. So yes, the emotionally healthy courses are basic discipleship for a church, but when it comes to a leadership team level, my expectation is as this team is gonna operate on a mature level of relating. And so we teach people how to fight cleanly, how to. Uh, express a complaint with request for change, how to clarify expectations, how not to do mind reading or make, or make assumptions. And so these are givens of how we operate as a team. And so as a 
as a, a team leader, I'm putting time and thoughtfulness and saying, how are we doing? Uh, and I'm going to point out when people are not operating according to how we, I want to relate on our team in the new family of Jesus. All right. So it's a health, five keys to a healthy team, a, a healthy you, a clear vision, time and thoughtfulness. The fourth is elephants are acknowledged and confronted. And I've got this great slide of, of, a, of a business meeting at a table, and this is a massive elephant right behind one of the participants. Uh, we have lots of elephants on teams. They, they come with people. Uh, little, little elephants, mid-sized elephants, and big elephants emerge. And part of a healthy team is recognizing they're always going to come, but I am going to acknowledge them, and we are going to deal with them. Uh, and again, I, I, I asked the question uh, recently is, would you confront the elephant in the room in front of everybody, if it's a person, something they're doing, or would you do it privately? And my answer very simply was, you, we never want to shame anybody. So if it's a possibility of shaming somebody, don't even think about doing it in front of anybody. Do it privately. But the point is that we recognize these are discipleship moments, and uh, I go after the elephants. Uh, this is a very simple principle, and you can read this in the Emotionally Healthy Leader book on the chapter of Culture and Team Building, and it goes like this. New skills plus new language plus intentional reinforcement equals a transformed team or community. New skills plus new language plus intentional follow-up equals transformed community. And so if you want a transformed team, you've got to be willing to intentionally follow people up as they're naturally going to do teamness or relationships the way either they did it in previous teams or the way their family of origin did it. And so what you're going to do as a healthy team leader is address elephants as they emerge. Okay, then a final key to build a healthy team, after a healthy you, clear vision, time and thoughtfulness, elephants being acknowledged and confronted, is mature supervision. Mature Supervision. What I mean by that, I could have said nuanced supervision. And in other words, nuanced in the sense of you recognize that you this is not a cookie cutter of supervision of people on your team. Uh, you've got to know how much to supervise, how often to supervise, what's this person's vulnerabilities, how are they built, uh, what's their unique temperament, personality, what's their, how's their family of origin, their Enneagram. They're Myers-Briggs. Who are you? Who are they? So, for example, I'm a self-starter. I'm entrepreneurial. I'm creative. I'm a visionary. Uh, you can imagine I was a handful to supervise when I was 22 years old. Um, but I had a couple of good supervisors that understood to let me lose. I, I think I, I talked to my supervisor when I worked with university students. Uh, I, they gave me a, a task of pioneering Christian fellowships on different university campuses. I think I saw my supervisor like twice every four months. But you know what? That's all I needed. Uh, I was definitely submitted to authority, uh, but I just loved the freedom of experimenting. And I was given a task, and I'm such a go-getter. But I had another friend who was on staff the same time I was who grew very bitter that he only saw a supervisor twice in four months because he needed weekly supervision. He needed direction, he, a different temperament, different number in the Enneagram. And it wasn't, you know, it did, did not work for him. And actually he left very bitter and angry. Uh, 
Interesting, huh? Two supervisions, two totally different experiences. And so mature supervision is you actually take the time to find out what does this person need? And I nuance it to them. Now, again, I, I do like that, you know, written reports is fine, uh, but it, it, you've got to really wrestle with how you're going to supervise. So even for myself, I, it was always very hard for me to do disciplined, regular supervision with people. I did it, but it was really hard. Why? Because of my temperament. So I had to build in other systems and recognize how I am. Uh, I had to change, make some changes personally, but I never was going to be, I think if we have a fellow on our staff right now, Peter Roden, he's an, I think he's an excellent supervisor, but he's very methodical, keeps records, you know, every week, same questions. He's just, but people love being under him uh, because he's really a clear supervisor. Expectations are clear. They're clarified. Um, that's a mature supervision. Uh, but I recognize I'm, I wasn't a great supervisor, but I built in other people doing that kind of supervision, uh, you know, to make up for it. So uh, l let me encourage you. Uh, building a healthy team is more an art than a science. And there's a lot of good things written on it. Uh, on teams, but I, I I leave you with these five points. A healthy you is number one. Uh, don't ever forget that. The more mature and differentiated you are, the more differentiated and mature will be your team. Uh, the less reactive you are, the less reactive and more safe will be your team. Number two, a clear vision. What is your vision for this team? It could be two people, five people, 10 people. And what is God asking you to do? Number three is time and thoughtfulness. It does take time to lead a healthy team. If you're doing it in the backstroke, and I've done it on the backstroke, I can assure you, you're headed for problems uh, because a healthy team requires time and thoughtfulness outside those meetings on your behalf, doing good preparation. Uh, number four is uh, elephants are acknowledged and confronted. Uh, so if you're conflict avoidant, critical that you address that and grow in that. And then fifthly, mature supervision that you nuance. What does each person need on my team to supervision and how can I make sure they get it? All right. So as a foundation for this, uh, let me invite you to uh, get into uh, our Emotionally Healthy Discipleship courses uh, because these courses provide the foundation to building a healthy team. We, so we actually moved our strategy because if you've read the Emotionally Leader book and other podcasts, et cetera, EHS has a lot of tremendous material on a leadership level, doctoral level in seminaries, but the foundation for all of it is found in the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship courses. So let me invite you, every month we're doing a live stream where I train people to do the courses in their church. Um, and uh, we uh, alternate the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course and Emotionally Healthy Discipleship uh, Spirituality course. Uh, go on our website, www.emotionallyhealthy.org, and uh, you know, make sure you're on our mailing list for sure. Uh, so I send out weekly blogs, but you want to find out what are these skills uh, what are these ingredients that Pete's mentioning here on the side, but he's not expounded on? Because I'm making the assumption you're doing the basic discipleship that we call the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Courses. So thank you very much. It's been great to be with you here at uh, the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. So visit us at emotionallyhealthy.org. Uh, make sure you get on our mailing list and uh, get to a live stream as soon as you can. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye.